Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Lisa Thee, CEO of AMP Solutions. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to have you as a guest today. We're going to take a little bit of a detour from our normal programming and talk a little bit about DEI, which is a topic that is near and dear to, to many of our hearts, but not just DEI, but a unique aspect of that, which is COVID. And so, Lisa, you and I were talking before we started this about how COVID impacted men and women, and that's going to drive our conversation. Why don't you share with us a little bit about how COVID impacted men and women? So I found it really interesting going into 2020 because I probably had a little bit of life experience that could have benefited the greater population. In 2017, I left my successful corporate career to go be an entrepreneur. So I had already done a big career reset, refocusing in on my values and sustainability for my employment. And during that time, I was ready to plan to be a bag lady. I didn't expect to be able to support myself (laughs) making that transition. But what I found was all the skills that made me successful in corporate America as a director of hybrid cloud for a multinational tech firm also helped me to be successful as an entrepreneur. And stepping into my own power, not only was I not a bag lady, I was actually doing more financially successful than when I left my quote-unquote safe job that was running me into the ground, frankly, with all the responsibilities of work and motherhood and all the other things that layer on as we get more senior in our careers. And so I wanted to document for other people going through these feelings like, oh my gosh, I was barely getting everything that needed to get done done before schools shut down and before I couldn't get somebody to come in and clean my house and before when I could maybe rely on some family help or other things that kept all the working mom balls in the air. When those evaporated in 2020 for a long period of time, I wanted to document what it was like and how to make some of those adjustments so that you can retain some of your humanity <laughs> in all of this. What's really interesting is up until that point, you were already pushing really hard. You had all these different roles and then the world changes, COVID hits. And I understand you actually had COVID. And as a result of your research on it, you found that men and women responded to that differently. What did you find in your research? What I found in the research, which was primarily from McKinsey, they do a women in workplace report. I dug in deeply into that, is that the headwinds that women and men face in the workplace are not the same. And what we saw was that the impacts of COVID on women in executive roles during the sustained season had reduced our representation of women in leadership positions due to having to take breaks to do childcare or for reductions in headcount or a various amount of reasons back to representation levels from the 1980s, it effectively had wiped out 40 years of progress of women in the workplace. And so I wanted to take on some of those headwinds and really talk about what can be done on the employee side to navigate through them more effectively, on the employer side to reduce the burden that you're putting on your team that maybe some of the more marginalized people within the group, 
and some ways that we can look at a future of work where everyone can bring their authentic self to the table and bring all of their discretionary energy and creativity to bear to be successful. Although I'm sure there are many men that were also negatively impacted by COVID, we just didn't see in the same balance of caregiving responsibilities being added back to working men's plates at the same rates. And we didn't see the reduction in workforce participation as a result. Yeah, and absolutely. We're talking aggregates here. We're not talking individual cases. And there's, you know, millions of people in the U.S. What is interesting to me about that is when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're typically talking about it in terms of internal factors, corporate culture, opportunities for advancement, having honest conversations, those kinds of things. And then something like COVID comes along and it's an external impact and it just blows everything up. And so all the efforts that those companies made, I'm, I'm astonished to hear that representation went back to the way it was in the 80s. For, that's crazy. Now that COVID is dying down or has died down, depending on your point of view, how are we seeing those participation rates change? Are women coming back into the workplace or is this more of a permanent thing than we thought? Yeah, I think the worst impacts were in 2021 and 2022. We're now starting to see some recovery. And a lot of that is credited to some things that happened during COVID that proved to ourselves that we actually can be effective with flexible work. Oftentimes, it's marginalized groups that are more reliant on having the flexibility and freedom to work how they need to work when they need to work and are looking to be measured by their performance and the impact that they have in the organization, not managed by their hours, like a 1950s assembly line kind of model. By the way, Lisa, I I need to jump in here. Attorney entrepreneurs, if you heard that 1950s assembly line measuring yourselves based on hours... Yeah, that's kind of how the rest of the world has gone. They've moved past the hourly billing to other things. And I know hourly billing has its place and there's a lot of value to it, but there's also a lot of value to alternative billing and billing based on the value of the product you're doing. That's a whole nother conversation, but I just wanted to jump in and mention that. Yeah, back to you, Lisa. I think that's absolutely valid. And as somebody who's just exiting management consulting, which is also a billable hour market, What I would recommend that people really think through is with the innovation that's coming to bear with artificial intelligence and other types of tools like that, it's going to be harder and harder to justify hourly billing models. And so it is a a unique opportunity to start experimenting a little bit with your own business today to how do you quantify the impact and the value that you bring and start pricing up proposals maybe in a different method, because I think it's going to be harder and harder to justify high billable hours over time with some of these technological innovations that are coming to bear. So it's a great opportunity to be a lifelong learner and be creative in your pursuit of how do you stay ahead of the curve of these things. And especially knowing that your your audience is primarily women, I pack a lot of that into Go Reboot Your Career because I want to make sure that people are seeing those bigger trends and being able to anticipate them and not just survive them, but innovate towards doing better than before. I have reinvented myself as I started as an engineer. I've probably had 30 job titles till then. Right now I'm trying on author and CEO. Uh, But realistically speaking, what you bring to bear is not just the hours you spend doing the thing that you were trained to do. It's your creativity, it's your lifelong learning, and it's your unique ability to, to bring things together. And as you can start to value some of those things, you can create different and new innovative business models to make yourself relevant and not only competitive, but the the winner in the race. Yeah. And, and how does you know diversity, equity, and inclusion play into that? The other question I had for you is you mentioned marginalized groups a little bit. Just for the audience, what are those marginalized groups that you're referring to and how can they help a company win? 
Yeah. So uh, the groups that I'm referencing are traditionally the ones that are identified through the federal government as protected groups. So I'm looking at gender, ethnicity, uh, ability, or ADA kinds of functions. I, I also interviewed people from the LGBT community. I tried to get a broad range of inputs from women across industries at VP and C-suite levels to talk about some of those touchier topics that maybe are kind of brushed under the rug a little bit so that we can start to reduce the amount of shame that people have when they have unfortunate experiences with the one outlying bad actor in a group um, and move past them and regain their power and not be looking like they don't feel that psychological safety in the workplace. So I hope that this book not only gives people permission to take their power back, but also gives them permission to step into their full power as a leader and set that next level of example of what a workplace can be like, where people can co-create and be authentic because they're not fearful of hiding aspects of themselves. That's awesome. And it sounds like you cover a lot of ground in your book. And, and by the way, everyone, the name of the book is Go Reboot Your Career in 90 Days. So we were talking about COVID and the different impacts that it had on men and women. Why do you think it had those different impacts? I think we have some societal structures in place that are just invisible rules of the road, so to speak, of what's expected from different genders. And I can tell you, as somebody who started my career in tech in a primarily male-dominated industry, those discrepancies between maybe what society expected and what I experienced in the workplace were not as highlighted to me before I was married with kids. It's when I became more vulnerable, where I had less control over my time, and when I couldn't maybe compete as fiercely as I used to because of some health conditions that I had, that I started to realize that there's just a lot more grace for failure. I mean, no offense to you, I hope this isn't offensive. I've never met a woman who has failed forward. I can name 15 off the top of my head of men that failed in a job and got promoted to solve the problem. I've never met a woman who has said, I didn't trust my instincts and it turned out great. I've never met her, <laughs> but yet we're trained to give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, don't, maybe they just had a bad day and kind of apologize away inexcusable behavior. And I hope that your audience being lawyers might be a little bit stronger than I am in that capacity. But what I find is we all put on our, our armor for work and we perform how we have to, but we're humans at the end of the day. And if you're not getting the support and the nurturing that you need to thrive as a leader, it shows up somewhere in your life. And I hope, I'm hope i hopeful that this book helps people to refocus their talents and the things they bring to the table on something that, that builds them up versus tears them down. And I know that the legal field is like medicine, right? You spend a lot of years being trained to be capable of billing what you bill and bringing that value. But For sure. For sure. Same with engineering. And I figured out a way to do it in a way that builds me up instead of tears me down. And I hope your audience does too. Uh, I hope so too. What is one tip that women should take away from your book? If you have that restless feeling that something's just not quite right or is just not sustainable and you find yourself dragging, leaving everything early and being late to the next thing and feeling like this just isn't sustainable, I hope that you don't stuff that feeling down, but you start to get curious about it. I give a 90-day plan to help people to really tune back into what their signals their body is telling them and what lifts their energy and what drains them and helping people to rebalance the ways that they spend their time in the workplace to more beneficial to their 
well-being and health, because that's where your creativity and your innovation lives. I think a lot of us were raised to get a good degree and go make money and be be successful. And, you know, we're the second generation post-women's liberation. And we have not only can we be everything, anything, but we better be everything. And that's just never been realistic. And I hope that this book helps people to find their own path through that helps them to build a legacy that they can be proud of. And what should men take away from this book? Well, I put a whole section in here, a couple different sections. One is the role of male allies in my leadership journey. I would not have believed you even five years back that I'd be a published author and have done a TED Talk and now being invited to the United Nations to advise on AI ethics when I was doing my J-O-B in corporate America. That just didn't even seem like a possibility. So it was male allies that identified maybe some talent in me that was latent that I didn't see for myself and encouraged me to take some of those risks. Some of the ways they encouraged me was financially by seed funding my company. Some stepped onto my board of advisors to hands-on help me grow some of those skills. Some co-founded the company with me and left successful, thriving careers at Apple. I would have never been brave enough to do this without that community of men that rose up and believed in me. I also have a whole section that's free on my website for men that are looking to retain executive women because, you know, your top talent, it took you a lot of energy to get them. You sure don't want to lose them. And I, I put a lot of actionable things in there that workplaces can do to better support women from some of the things that we're particularly vulnerable with. What's one example of that? So I think one of the examples that they talked about was um, <laughs> that women tend to fill in a lot of the emotional gaps for coaching um, when people are going through difficult times. And then they they take on too much. Um, so one of the things, just very tangible, tactical, practical, please don't ask the women in your office to take the notes or plan the office Christmas party or buy the gifts for the golf tournament. One of my coaching clients was 20 years at Accenture rolling out the vaccine for the state of California, which I know can be polarizing, but long and short of it, it's not easy to roll out a vaccine that's been around for a minute uh, through all of our healthcare systems and everything that needs to happen. She had a very, very, very important job. And she's also a single mom with two children in elementary school that can't go to work. And she is the one woman on her managing director team at a large company. And the boss is like, oh, can you just go to Golf Galaxy and pick up the stuff for the corporate event with, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, think through what somebody's life looks like outside the office and, and spread the pain of all that unpaid labor that often gets picked up. Uh, by women on your team. Excellent Check point. In. Yeah. For many of you own small law firms, obviously women are going to be a critical aspect of your firm and a critical element of your firm going forward. One of the questions I get a lot is how can I compete with big law? How can I hire people when other law firms are charging or are able to pay them much more and give them much more benefits? Well, this is one way you can do that by implementing these kinds of practices into your workplace you start to create a culture and you start to create a culture where, where uh, women and other groups that um, have traditionally been un underrepresented can now find themselves in a place where they can really be fulfilled. And that will attract some amazing employees and will drive huge levels of retention. So um, I hope you all think through that a little bit. Uh, the name of the book, again, is Go Reboot Your Career in 90 Days by Lisa Thee. Uh, Lisa, tell us where we can find it. 
You can find it at Barnes and Noble and all the places you get your books. Um, I like Amazon for the convenience. I'm also a busy working person too. Um, and it's available on Audible as well as Kindle on Amazon. And you can also check it out on my website at lisafee.com slash go. Awesome. Lisa, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.